And welcome back into the Bama Beat Podcast brought to you by Wickles Pickles. This is your host, Clint Lamb, sitting here once again with Brett Hudson. How are you doing this morning, Brett? And at the request of Alabama Pro to updates, we once again have have Emma on the podcast. So we'll see if she we'll see if she has as many recruiting takes as she has takes about football in, in the COVID era. Well, she certainly got a lot to talk about today, so I hope so. Yeah, no, no kidding. There's a there's a lot to cover. So it, those of you that listened to the podcast last week will remember we planned to have a two podcast week last week, one on the the news of of the sport and one later in the week on recruiting. And then we kind of got some buzz early in the week that some some things were going to change with Alabama's recruiting class in the uh, in the later stages of the week and over the weekend. So we figured there wasn't really much of a point in in diving into the the world of recruiting when things were going to change so quickly after the the podcast posted so we'll uh we we decided to hold off until uh early this week which ended up being a good thing because in in over the weekend Alabama's recruiting class jumped from what sixth to second in the nation is that right uh if you include early last or, or excuse me late last week um, I want to say they were sitting just outside the top 10. So uh, maybe like 11th to 2nd. Or, or yeah. Something. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, you know, you add a couple, you know, five star and a couple of uh, four stars and that's what will happen. And really the beginning of last week's where it actually started getting kicked off. And actually, uh, you know what, really just the month of July overall yeah. has been really good to Alabama. So, so we'll, we'll get into all of that in, in this podcast, updating you on the, on the Cruton world, and I'll, I'll have a written story on it uh, middle of the week this week to hopefully take some different angles than what we discuss here. But before we do all of that, we're recording this on Monday morning, shortly after the Butkus Award released their watch list. Um, and Dylan Moses was on the watch list, of course, but the other Alabama representative on the watch list was one Shane Lee. And I wanted to give you, Clint Lamb, the world's biggest Christian Harris fan, an opportunity to communicate to everyone how they sleep on Christian Harris. The floor is yours. Well, first of all, I can't believe you're starting the podcast out this way, trying to get me riled up. That's exactly uh, what I'm trying to do. <laughs> to be fair, you know who also it wasn't? Ali Keho, who anybody that's pointed and said it's not going to be Christian Harris – for some odd reason, Ali Cahill has been the guy, but I don't understand why anybody's sleeping on Christian Harris, to be quite honest. I mean, he was the guy, in comparison to Shane Lee last year, who was supposed to step up when Joshua McMillan went down to start next to Dylan Moses. And then, of course, Dylan Moses goes down as well. They end up having two true freshmen. But when you look at the position that Dylan Moses is going to be playing for Alabama, which is that Mike spot, that you know, that's really where Shane Lee fits in the best. That will spot suits Christian Harris's skill set way more. I think he's going to be the starter. If it's not him, Joshua McMillan is certainly involved in the conversation, uh, and I still think Shane Lee is going to be a part of the equation as well. Everybody, you know, is super down on Shane Lee. And granted, when you compare him to Christian Harris, Dylan Moses, um, and some of these other guys, yeah, I'm not as high on Shane Lee either, even though I like him. I just think they have much better options right now at the position. But 
What they I, what I think they did with this Buckus Award winner thing is they took the fact that Shane Lee outsnapped Christian Harris last year. They took the fact that he had more tackles, and they just assumed, oh, he's going to be the guy next to to Dylan uh, this upcoming year, His Majesty. And I just don't think that's going to be the case at all. Um, I think the reason that Shane Lee outsnapped Christian Harris was simply because. He got it between the ears a lot more than Christian during year one. And that's a big, important factor here. He was more of the, um, you know, they don't have the green dot guys who, uh, like they do in the NFL, because they don't have the communication in their headsets. But he would be what you call the green dot guy, where he was expected to kind of navigate things. He understood the defense a little bit more. He was just more limited by his athleticism uh, or lack of functional athleticism there uh, in, in certain ways. But Christian Harris is the guy, man. Uh, I can't believe that you know anybody at this point, when you go back and watch, I understand there were some consistency issues, but you saw our guy continue to get better. When he started letting his instincts take over, he was playing high-quality football. And to think that, you know, and I understand Shane Lee played some pretty good football too, but I think Shane Lee's ceiling is pretty much tapped. Christian Harris is the guy, in my opinion. I mean, are, are you Team Christian Harris? Are you are you Cahoe? Are you McMillan? Are are you Lee? No, I, I agree with with you on on everything you said about Christian Harris. I just I just like teeing you up on this subject because I know you feel you feel strongly about it too. To the whole Buckus Award watch list thing, you're you're absolutely right. What they did was they saw a linebacker who was second on Alabama's team in tackles, uh, third and tackles for loss as a freshman and said, yeah, we'll throw this guy on the watch list. Also had two forced fumbles last year. Um, that's Several what they, sacks, saw. they yeah. saw a freshman linebacker finish second on the team in tackles, third in tackles for a loss. And uh, looks like third and no fourth in sacks. Yes. Fourth in sacks and said, that's the heir apparent at linebacker at Alabama. Um, I don't have anything against the Budkiss Award or, or any other uh, awards there. And I'm, I'm a Bolitnikoff Award voter for full transparency, among others that are done by the FWAA. And most of the, like, these, most of these awards aren't the film rat guys when it comes to watch lists. They're not going to be breaking down film of, of this guy and that guy to put together their, their watch list. And these watch lists are, for the most part, inconsequential. Uh, I, I don't care enough to formulate the list but i imagine there are several examples of guys who were not on preseason watch list that ended up winning the award uh like just off the top of my head i imagine Jameis winston wasn't on a watch list anywhere considering he started as a redshirt freshman right right and wasn't his redshirt freshman year that he won the heisman yes yeah so i i imagine that would be one example of someone who wasn't on a watch list of any kind and, and won a bunch of awards. Cam Newton was probably the the same way. So the watch lists are for the most part inconsequential and it's mostly statistics based and assumptions based as opposed to evaluations and um, conversations with team personnel, et cetera, et cetera. I just thought it was, I just thought it was funny um, that it went, it went that way. Um, so I wanted to, to get you teed up on, on that. And I agree with you on Christian Harris specifically because the athleticism with him is off the charts. And we'll get to recruiting uh, after I get done making this point. Christian Harris, his athleticism is is off the charts. It's something I wrote about oh, almost a year ago at this point, going into week one of 2019, that Duke game. He played corner 
in high school. Like, really let that sink in for a second. A dude of that size projected to play linebacker and play linebacker at the next level, playing corner and returning kicks in high school at that size. Like, that is the freakish level of athleticism. And by the way, that's in Louisiana. Like, there is some real talent in Louisiana, and Alabama's football roster and LSU's football roster tells you all about the ridiculous amount of talent in Louisiana. It's not like he was returning kicks and playing corner in Kansas or something. He was playing against some serious talent and was still able to to do that. So the athleticism is off the charts. He's at a position that is likely to make use of that athleticism. He just has to take in everything that is the Alabama defense schematically, which is not an easy thing. Not a lot of people do that as, as freshmen, but as he develops and gets more time in the system, it's fair to project that he will be a serious dude in, in his career. So I, I agree with you. I just like getting you teed up on that subject. Let's talk about Cruton. Uh, as yeah. we mentioned, it was a, a very good weekend for, for Alabama. They emphatically solved their offensive line needs. On Friday, they got the Brockermeyer twins out of Fort Worth, Texas, to commit. Tommy Brockermeyer is the number one tackle in the class, according to 247, the number five prospect overall uh, among all positions in the 2021 class. And his twin brother, James Brockermeyer, the number one center in the 2021 class, they committed on Friday. And then on Sunday, they got a commitment from the number two guard in the nation, Terrence Ferguson, out of Fort Valley, Georgia, Peach County High School, for those of you that are up on your uh, Georgia State uh, geography. So with that, Alabama has two five-star and two four-star offensive linemen. Three of those four offensive linemen are among the top 50 prospects in the nation at any position. All of them are either number one, or all of them are top five at their position. Three of the four are number one or number two at their position. Um, the, the one odd man out in that regard is J.C. Latham, who is the number five offensive tackle in the nation, but the number 17 overall prospect. So do with that what you will. And <laughs> see, this is funny. If if this were like a super highbrow podcast, we would have a producer who would go and cut the clip out of this, but this is a pickle podcast run by a newspaper. So you, you get what you get. <laughs> but... I feel like on one of our recruiting podcasts, like two or three podcasts ago, I said that the offensive line most embodies the situation that Alabama's recruiting class is in for the rest of this recruiting cycle in that there are opportunities to fix the slow start. There were a a small handful of highly rated, uncommitted prospects out there that if Alabama got them – everything would be fine. But if you miss on them, you're having to go to plan B and in some cases plan C recruits. And let's just call a spade a spade. Plan B and plan C recruits, when you recruit at this level, those are the ones that get you beat in the playoff. Those are the ones that Clemson and Ohio State pick on and beat you in the playoff with. So missing on some of those recruits would put Alabama in a quite a bind. So the offensive line was a position where the opportunity was there, but the margin for error was slim. And clearly Kyle flood, Nick Saban and Alabama's recruiting department heard me say that and took it as some sort of challenge. So they went and got 
the number one tackle, the number one center, and the number two guard in the nation, and just so happened to do it all in the span of a weekend. And and yeah. now the offensive line problem is gone. It's just it's gone. It's figured out. They got four offensive linemen in the class. Three of the four are top fifty prospects in the nation. The offensive line is is figured out. It's solved. Well, and and that's the, what's interesting about this is. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, that recruiting hall, as far as the offensive line with Evan Neal, Pierce Quick, Amari Kite, Darian Dalcourt, and Tanner Bowles, that was one of the best halls that I'd ever seen for Alabama from just, you know, a pure num- a number standpoint, from an overall talent standpoint with Evan Neal, uh, Quick, and Kite all being top 100 prospects. Then last year, you know, everybody was concerned about the offensive line, or not last year, but in the 2020 class, because, you know, JV and Cohen was the only four-star guy that they got, and he was kind of a, a low-rated four-star. Seth McLaughlin and Damian George were two guys who I think are, are excellent developmental prospects there at center and more than likely right tackle, but, you know, this it just didn't have the star power. And with uh, Alabama losing Jedrick Wills this year at right tackle – they lost Scott Lashley, which they were, which they were going to be losing him in the near future, anyways, because you know he was getting up there as far as his eligibility. But then following this year, you're talking about you're definitely losing Alex Leatherwood, you're definitely losing Deontay Brown, you're definitely losing Landon Dickerson because they're all three seniors. So you had a huge need there, and you know I, I saw someone mention yesterday that, that there hadn't been a whole lot of hype surrounding guys like Amari Kite and Pierce Quick. And, you know, my response to that was, you know, you haven't really had to have heard any hype. Um, They haven't needed to rely on them. That doesn't mean that they're not developing. Uh, In fact, I think them getting kind of sit, get strong in in the weight room, learning the offense, that's only going to help them down the road as they need to start taking over for some of these guys following this season. Um, But you're absolutely right. Uh, You know, going ahead and, and locking up another top tier offensive line class really helps Alabama it wasn't just the offensive line or it hasn't just been the offensive line when you talk about the losses at different key positions uh like I said the offensive line with Leatherwood Brown and Dickerson wide receiver with Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle plus you had Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs who are already gone you got guys who were supposed to kind of maybe step up in a couple of years or maybe next season and Tyrell Shavers and Chadarius Townsend those guys have transferred out so you're looking for more depth at that position, and they go out and they've signed, or they haven't signed, but they've gotten committed to Corey Brooks, Ajayi Hall, and Christian Leary, uh, who are all three top, you know, just outside. It, Leary's just outside of being a top 20 receiver, but Brooks is the number two, Hall is the number 11. So they've addressed that position with some quality talent. Off-ball linebacker, Joshua McMillan's going into his final year. Dylan Moses is going into his final year more than likely. Um, they went out and they've gotten three off-ball linebackers who are the number five, the number seven inside linebackers, and the number 14 outside linebacker. The only spot right now um, that I think Alabama needs to be concerned about, and, and you challenge the offensive line additions, now I'm going to challenge the cornerback additions. Yes. Maybe it, it, it'll kind of play out the same way. They already have Devontae Smith, the corner, out of Ohio, um, but they, they're in the, the, the mix for – McKinstry, the five-star out of Pinson, uh, Jason Marshall. There were some rumors yesterday based off of a Bleacher Report uh, thing that Kyrie Jackson, the three-star, number five overall JUCO player, had committed to Alabama. He was just showing Alabama some love based off of something they had sent him. It was not a commitment, but that's another guy that they're going after, and he could be a part of the equation. So hopefully they end up addressing the cornerback uh, group before this uh, recruiting class is done. Yeah, is it is it fair to say that pretty much all of the eggs are in the – to Quincy McKinstry 
basket. And maybe that's not totally fair to say because Jason Marshall is is still on the board and being recruited. But would would this cornerback class really be or feel complete if it just stopped at Jason Marshall and Devontae Smith? Wouldn't you? Would would it feel complete if JaQuincy McKinstry was not in this recruiting class at the cornerback position? I just, I just think it would be a huge recruiting miss for Alabama. With him being from Pinson, the number one player in the state, fills a huge position to need. Um, you know, he's 5'11 and a half, uh, probably going to be listed at six foot, only 172 pounds. So he doesn't exactly have the, the same length that Alabama looks for at the position, but the way that he plays more than makes up for that. There's a reason he's kind of a little bit undersized, and he's still a top 25 player in the class. Um, so that would be a huge recruiting miss for Alabama. They've gone and done some things. You talk about them going into the state of Texas just in pretty much the last week and pulling Kendrick Blackshire um, and, and then the Brockermeyer twins, yeah. including Tommy Brockermeyer, who's the number one player in the state of Texas for this class. They've taken away some key guys from other programs, but you don't want to miss out on your in-state guys when you're putting such a huge focus on them. I think it would be a huge miss. So, so you mentioned the month of July has made – some big moves for, for Alabama. Let's let's run through those quickly. On July 1st, Dallas Turner, four-star edge defender from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, top 50 prospect in the nation, uh, top 10 prospect in the state of Florida. Dallas Turner committed on July 1st. On July 8th, Kadarius Callaway of Philadelphia, Mississippi, flipped from Mississippi State to Alabama. Um, athlete type, I believe he's projected as a DB. At six foot two ten, is that right? Is that your understanding? Yes. Okay. Uh, then July. Let me make sure no one else committed in between. Then okay, July fourteenth. I think the next one is Kendrick Blackshear, who you mentioned. It the, is the linebacker yeah. from from Texas. He committed on July fourteenth, and then Friday, July seventeenth, they get the Brockermeyer twins, Tommy Brockermeyer, James Brockermeyer, tackle and center, and then July nineteenth, Terrence Ferguson, the guard from Georgia, um, four star. Tommy Brockermeyer, five-star. James Brockermeyer, four-star. Kendrick Blackshear, four-star. So that's what? One, two, three, four-stars. No. Well, four four-stars and a five-star and a three-star. James Brockermeyer and Kendrick Blackshear. So four four-stars, a three-star, and a five-star added to the class just in the month of July. And is it not crazy to you? I understand they've had some decommitments with Drake May and uh, – um, was it McCutcheon that ended up committing in Oklahoma, the cornerback? Yeah, um, that sounds right. Yeah, Latrell McCutcheon. I think it's McCutcheon's his last name. Um, you know, so they've had a few guys that have decommitted that were committed for a while. Um, but, you, I mean, you got to think. Uh, really, 14, and I, I made this mistake on Twitter yesterday, and I kind of forgot about Deontay Lawson. That's a guy who had been committed to Alabama since late uh, 2019, just after Christmas, and between Christmas and New Year's is when he committed. But yeah. 14 of the 15 commitments um, that have that are currently in Alabama's class have committed from the middle of April until now, and that's insane. <laughs> uh, you know, you think just a few months ago we were having the the recruiting update podcast and we were talking about it, and we were saying, hey, more than likely from a number standpoint and what they're going to be looking for. It might be difficult for Alabama to to you know bring in a pretty big class because of the guys that they have as far as being seniors. The thing that we weren't taking into account is they were going to lose several guys to to transfer, um, you know, enter the portal and end up somewhere else. 
that's opened up spots because Tyrell Shavers, Jadarius Townsend, uh, Talia, all these guys, Scuba Carter, Scooby Carter, um, all these guys were, you know, younger guys who had multiple years of eligibility left. And so getting rid of all, not getting rid of, but losing all those guys, you start opening up some spots long term for guys in this class. So hey man, they, if, I, if I can't scuba, what's this all about? <laughs> you know, I, I I was bring I was thinking about scuba because that's where uh, um, East Mississippi. Yeah, at East Mississippi. Yeah, exactly where uh, last what, chance you, as it were. Yeah, Kyrie Jackson is at uh, scuba or in right. scuba playing at East Mississippi Community College. So that's what had me the scuba 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 thing. I knew I was going to struggle on this podcast. Shout out Tom, it. By the way, uh, Last Chance U, the final season with related to football, that's coming out, I think, the 28th of this month or the something like that. So it's becoming a basketball thing, right? Yeah, and, and I don't know that I'll keep up with it nearly as much. Um, and I haven't kept up with it you know, religiously, but uh, I am looking forward to watching this fifth and final season. But, yeah, uh, Last Chance U, shout out there, kind of give them some props. I, I like what they've been able to do. But back to the recruiting stuff, uh, just – Alabama has been extremely impressive in what, how they've been able to bounce back, what they've been able to do. And if you start talking about um, a couple of guys who are planning on committing uh, relatively soon, one being DeMond Payne, the five-star, number 15 overall prospect, the top defensive tackle, um, the number one player in the state of Michigan, he's going to be committing this coming Sunday on July 26th. And then on August, and he's considered a Bama lean. Uh, so if they can end up landing him, they're you know, starting to get up there even closer to closing that gap between themselves and Ohio State for that top spot. And then Amarius Mims, who is considered a Georgia lean at this point, he's the number one player from the state of Georgia, five-star offensive tackle. Um, more than likely, he's going to be going to Georgia, but he's committing on August 15th, which is a Saturday. So those are two guys to definitely monitor. Uh, but, you know, Alabama's not even close to being done. You know, McKinstry is a guy we don't know when he's planning on committing. Jason Marshall, I don't think, set an official date, but they're involved with a lot of top-name prospects. And to think we were talking about them potentially, hey, they might finish towards the bottom of the top ten this year because of a number standpoint. And now we're talking about, hey, they're right back in the conversation for the number one spot. That just speaks to how much they've been able to bounce back over the last few months. Yeah, I mean, we, we said it was we said it would be hard. We didn't say it would be impossible, and and they did it. Or, or at least they've, they've done it so far. They have some – some things to finish um, if they're gonna if they're gonna stay at number two or or improve as they are right now. Uh, since you mentioned Demond Payne and some of the others they're they're working on, let's kind of take the class as things that are solved and things that need to be solved. So at this point, I think it's safe to say offensive line and wide receiver are pretty much solved. I mean, I know they're still in on um, yes, Emma. Okay. That I know they're still in on Amarius Mims, as, as you mentioned, although he's likely headed to Georgia. Um, and then on the wide receiver front, they're in on Brian Thomas Jr., a wide receiver from Louisiana, um, who could show up at, at Alabama. Um, I, I mean, two four sevens crystal ball has him going to LSU, which which is fine. Alabama already has three four star. Well, what two four stars and a five star at wide receiver. Um, so if they miss on, on Brian Thomas Jr., it's not the, the worst thing in the world. Do, do you agree that Alabama's pretty much done or, or could be done? They, they could add more, but if their needs are satisfied, is what I'm trying to say. Their needs are satisfied, 
at offensive line and wide receiver? I'll put it to you this way. Unless an elite talent at one of those two positions is looking to come to Alabama, yes, they're done. Uh, they've, they've filled the amount that they need to. Um, yeah. So, it, yeah, just those elite guys. are there. I mean, obviously, you're not going to turn away a guy like Amarius Mims if he wants <laughs> to come to Alabama. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, I, I think you could make a similar case, although not as strong for your edge defender types, your defensive end outside linebacker hybrids, your two that they would probably like to add are, oh, I just lost him. Xavier Story isn't Xavier Story, excuse me, is an outside linebacker from Florida, four star, uh, top five at the position of outside linebacker, top 75 prospect nationally. Xavier Sori is one, and then Jeremiah Williams is is the other out of Ramsey in, in Birmingham, another four-star guy. I, I think what they have there so far is probably good enough. And to run over what they have there, they have Dallas Turner, a four-star. Uh, they have Deontay Lawson, who kind of could go either way, at a four-star. Uh, Kendrick Blackshear is an inside guy. They have Ian Jackson, a four-star from Prattville. Uh, I mean, they could use one or two more, but if this ends up being it, that would be okay, especially in the context of the 2020 class where they loaded up with so much talent at, at that position. Agree or disagree? Yeah, and what I'll add to that, um, you know, Kendrick Blackshire is a guy that when I went and looked at his tape, he can do a lot of different things for you. I compared him to uh, um, Dante Hightower. He's not a quick twitch guy, even though he, you know he's probably going to be mainly play uh, off-ball linebacker and inside linebacker for Alabama, but much in the same way that Dylan Moses and Rashawn Evans and Dante Hightower in certain situations could kick out. And, you know, he's a guy that uh, – and I keep calling him Blackshire. It might be Blackshear. Um, you know, I I'm always do that. But beside the point, you can kick him out, uh, put him in a two-point stance, a three-point stance out there on the edge. I don't compare him as much so to a guy like – or guys like Rashawn Evans – and uh, and Dylan Moses because he's not that quick twitch elite athlete. He's more of a big body guy, you know, already 6'2", 245 plus pounds. Going to probably end up being somewhere in that two fifty five, you know, two fifty range unless they just wanted to keep him smaller for the way that times are changing. But he's a big body guy that can play out there on the edge a little bit too. But yeah, I completely agree. Based off of what they added, and it's the same reason you didn't see an elite offensive line class last year, or you didn't see any really big name prospects. Typically, after you've added elite players at a certain position, it's very tough to, to double dip and do that the following year. Yeah. Um, much in the same way that when you had a guy like Bryce Young, Alabama struggling to find the quarterback for its 2021 class, and rightfully so. Uh, you you think that for the foreseeable future, Bryce Young's the guy. Um, following Mac Jones, if you know Mac Jones holds on this year, so that's why you're not going to see a lot of top tier edge players in Alabama's 2021 class. And the fact they were able to get a guy like Dallas Turner, who's a borderline five star, he's a top 50 prospect, really talented. On top of the the foursome that they got last year, I think that's pretty good for them to continue to try to build depth at that position. And Christopher Allen, I think, still got a couple of years of eligibility. Um, you know, Ben Davis, I want to say, is the only one currently right now that is a senior uh, at outside linebacker. And plus, you add all that youth. There just wasn't a huge need for them. So uh, taking taking our assumptions into account, which is that they're more or less done at both offensive line and wide receiver. They're almost done on on the edge. They could add some more, as as we mentioned, Xavier Sori out of Florida, 
Jeremiah Williams out of uh, Ramsey in, in Birmingham. And one I didn't mention was Shamar Turner out of Texas. Uh, assuming they're almost done at that edge position, one to two of those three guys could also join the class. I think the their biggest the, the biggest priority at this point is your solid defensive lineman and not your edge guys that could be either defensive ends or outside linebackers based on what Alabama wants to do with their weight and, and how they project their skill set, but guys that are already absolute units at the high school level and will stay as defensive linemen, more likely than not interior defensive linemen at Alabama. You mentioned Damon Payne, a five-star from, from Michigan, the top prospect in that state. He's the biggest one to watch. There's Mason Smith out of Louisiana, another five-star who 247 projects pretty heavily to to LSU, but but hey, you never know. Um, and, but I, I think outside of uh, Demon Payne, the the Michigan prospect, the the biggest one at, at that position is an in-state. I know Emma, you're right. Is a, a big in-state prospect, four-star Tim Keenan, also out of Ramsey in in Birmingham. So two defensive linemen out of out of Ramsey, Jeremiah Williams, a more end-edge type guy, and then Tim Keenan, an interior. Lyman, Alabama is probably sending somebody to, to Ramsey as often as, or at least doing virtual recruiting, I guess, at this point, as much as they can at Ramsey High School with, with those two guys. That's where, that's probably the biggest hole they have to fill at this point. Uh, agree? Yeah. Um, and, and here, well, and I'll bring up another one here in just a second, but it's the same situation that we've talked about with some of these others. When you have young guys, a, a great class to come in and immediately start contributing. Um, it's very tough to continue to recruit the following year at that same spot. Uh, and, and you kind of saw that a little bit. You think about all the true freshmen for Alabama uh, on the defensive line that got significant action. You know, Byron Young was one of them, Justin Aboigby, um, DJ Dale. You know, they still have a guy who was actually the top rated player along the defensive line in Ishmael Sopsher, who they're expecting to continue to try to work into some sort of role. Um, Christian Barmore started to step up. A lot of these guys are underclassmen. Uh, LeBron Ray being the only guy that's going to be an upperclassman, uh, a true upperclassman. And a guy like Christian Barmore could leave if he had some kind of huge, um, you know, season. Fidari Mathis could leave if he had a big season, but I just wouldn't really expect um, Barmore maybe, but Fidari Mathis I wouldn't think so. So, and then you follow up that you know great true freshman group where you saw tons of guys seeing significant action, and then in 2020. Um, they added, you know, Tim Smith being one of the top guys that they added. And they added, of course, guys like Jamarian Latham and, and Jamil, uh, Jamil Burroughs. So they still added some pretty, pretty talented players at the position to add a five-star talent like DeMond Payne on top of the guys they've added in the last couple of years. That's about as good as you could possibly hope for, um, considering the, the depth that they had already kind of built up at that spot. And you might have some transfers and things, but they've got so many bodies along the defensive line who I think the coaching staff really believes in. That uh, that's just not a position I don't think they were going to target super heavily as far as adding four or five different guys. And if they can just add to Montpain and then you maybe add one more, um, I think they're, you know, you always want to continue. There's two positions where you want to try to lock up quality talent each and every year if you can. That's, uh, you know, along the offensive line, the defensive line, and then, of course, quarterback as well. But the other position that I wanted to ask you about, because I find it a little bit interesting you have a lot of bodies, a ton of bodies, but you're losing Carl Tucker. You're losing Miller, Miller Forrestal. Those are two guys that are guaranteed to be gone. 
more than likely Jaleel Billingsley at that point will look to become the guy. You still got Cameron Latou, Major Tennyson, Caden Clark. But it just Alabama hadn't added any sort of elite player at the tight end position in quite some time. Do you think, and you know, we've them going out and getting Carl Tucker despite having all those bodies uh, kind of told us that they weren't exactly thrilled. Now, granted, I think they were more so not thrilled with where the group was at currently or last season more than where they think they can be in a couple of years or by next year. So maybe they won't look at tight end being a huge need, but do you think that they're going to try to go out and figure that position out following this year? Uh, as in in the 2021 class? Yes, and I know that there's not a whole lot of it. This could be the grad transfer route as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I've said it on multiple occasions. I, I don't know why they're adding tight ends right now. One, they got about 1,000 people on scholarship at the position. And two, I'm a, I'm a big believer in Jaleel Billingsley. I think he is the future of the tight end position. Uh, you could give him every down duties for three years starting in 2020. That's how high an opinion I have of Jaleel Billingsley. But Alabama clearly doesn't uh, – Think along the same lines I do because they went in the, the portal and got Carl Tucker out of North Carolina. Um, to your your point, the one tight end, highly rated tight end prospect they're in on is Thomas Fedone, but he's out of Council Bluffs, Iowa. But he seems to be leaning towards Nebraska, or at least that's the 247 crystal ball prediction. And, and Council Bluffs is right on the border of, of Nebraska. See, these are – these are the things you know when you're like super deep in college baseball and you make multiple trips to Omaha. Omaha is right on the Nebraska-Iowa border. No, on that border, Omaha is on one side and Council Bluffs is on the other. Um, right. So very, very, very obvious Nebraska tie for for him. Um, but they're, they're in on Robbie Oates, O-U-Z-T-S. I have no idea. Out of South Carolina, they're they're in on him, as is Virginia Tech. He's currently uh, projected to go to, to Alabama by the 247 crystal ball. Um, uh, again, um, if if it were me, I wouldn't be adding a tight end in, in this class, but uh, I'm, I'm not the one who's paid millions of dollars to coach a football team. So maybe maybe I should maybe I should step to the sidelines and let them do it. Well, and I'm a huge believer in Jaleel Billingsley, too. And that what I think is how I think this year is going to play out is not any indication for where I think he's at as far as his talent level. I just think there's a particular reason they brought in Carl Tucker. I don't think they brought him in to, to put him on the bench. I think he's going to be, you know, heavily involved in the offense, if not being the starter. I think Miller Forrestal, with his, you know, contributions in the past, with his, um, you know, ability as being a receiving tight end, I think he's going to be at the very least your number two guy. You might see a lot of two tight end sets. I don't know what to see. Um, but if that happens, you might not see Jaleel Billingsley as much as fans think you're going to. And, and I could be wrong on that. But, you know, who do you put on uh, on the bench between, you know, you didn't bring in Carl Tucker to have him as your number three tight end. Um, so we'll kind of have to see. But moving forward, losing Carl Tucker and Miller Forrestal, I think Jaleel Billingsley and a guy like Major Tennyson who has been, a, you know, a pretty good tight end for Alabama, pretty decent. you got Cameron Latou there who is you know, still making that transition from being an edge player and outside linebacker to tight end. You know, Hopefully he continues to get better at the position. Then Caden Clark was not a super highly recruited guy, but he's pretty balanced um, at the position. And we've seen Alabama have plenty of success with lower-rated tight ends coming in, Irv Smith Jr. being one of them, where they turned them into you know, a quality tight end. So 
it's just something that I kind of looked at and wondered. Um, you just don't see ever see Alabama. They, they try to go after guys, uh, Darnell Washington, who ended up at Georgia, um, and, and guys like that. Um, Eric Gilbert, who ended up at, at LSU. They tried to go up to the elite prospects of that 2020 class, couldn't secure any of them. They're not really super in on any of the top ones for 2021. So I just wanted to get your thoughts and see where they were at at that position. Is there any other position that has stood out to you as far as a need? Uh, well, last one, because quarterback we've already covered. I don't know that they're going to add a running back in this class because of what they did in the previous one. And um, I, I just don't. I just don't see that they need to. I mean, maybe they find one and, and bring one in, but they don't have a huge need there. So the last one would be safety because, all, as we yep. mentioned, corner earlier, all their all their eggs are in the Jaquincy McKinstry basket with trying to get Jason Marshall as well. Emma. Emma. She's killing me, man. She's Hey, she's trying to share her thoughts, too. Maybe she feels like there's a safety out there that you're forgetting about. Yeah, so safety is the last position we need to discuss before we adjourn because they already have Kane Williams out of out of Louisiana, which here's a, a fun fact, according to his own Twitter account. He's apparently the first person from John Arrett High School to commit to Alabama, which I found interesting. Um, that is interesting, yeah. yeah He's a good I, prospect. I mean, obviously, I have, I have no way of verifying if, if that's true, but – Surely someone at John Aaron High School would at least have some sort of confidence that it's true before allowing him to go public with it. Um, but Kane Williams is not the only safety thereafter. They're, they're pretty hard after Terry and Arnold, the safety from Tallahassee, which is obviously a, a big one for, for Florida State. But there, there are others on the board, Jarden, uh, Jarden, Jarden, Jarden Gilbert out of, uh, out of Baton Rouge, a place Alabama's had some recruiting success. Hello, Christian Harris. Uh, is another one on on the board. So they seem motivated to add another safety, and I can't necessarily agree or disagree with with that motivation or that line of thinking. That just seems to be a position where Alabama would like to have one more body, and in, in a perfect world, Terry and Arnold out of Tallahassee would be that body. Yeah, and I think that's the one that they're heavily going after and could very well end up getting, and I think that when you combine him with Kane Williams – you're in a great spot uh, at that safety position. You, you're never going to add, you know, three or four uh, safeties in one class. It's just not going to happen. You actually, in some cases, uh, you know, some of these college coaches will look at a, a cornerback in high school and say, that's a guy that I feel like can make the transition to safety. And that's where we plan on having him. So, you know, you look at the guys they are expected to be heavily involved this year. Jordan Battle is only going to be a sophomore. DeMarco Hellams, another guy that's just going to be a sophomore. Um, you know, Daniel Wright is a guy who's supposed to step up into a starting spot potentially. He's a redshirt junior, so you got him for this year and at least one more. Um, there's just there's so many. Uh, Eddie Smith being another one, another guy, just a third year player being a redshirt sophomore. So at that spot, and you got Brian Branch and uh, Malachi Moore, who were both in your 2020 class. You've really started to build up some depth there, and, and you kind of got your star power. And, and they already got Kane Williams, who's going to add to that depth. So. Terion Arnold is a guy that I'm sure that Alabama would love to have just to make sure you keep the depth, you know, replenished there just in case some of these guys start leaving. Um, because at w one thing that we've talked about and we've seen it with the recruiting classes is you can't just rely on, you know, who the guys on your roster are right now because that can change from year to year. You know, if Alabama has four, five, six, seven different guys following this next year to transfer out and you got a couple of safeties, um, you start to lose a little bit of that depth, and Alabama has built 
their program on depth and being able to continue to churn out guys and, and give guys plenty of time to develop and things like that. So, yeah, I completely agree that safety is one that it's they seem to be targeting fairly heavily in the sense of, you know, they, they got their guys they want to go after and they're going super hard after them. And I think they, you know, if I had to put a guess on it, and a lot can change, but I think Terry and Arnold ends up being uh, a member of Alabama's 2021 class. So if they can land him uh, with some of these other guys, I think they're in a great spot. Kyrie Jackson, to me, when I watched him on film being a three-star cornerback, I do think he brings a ton of physicality to the perimeter as, being, as far as being a cornerback. He's extremely long, being in that 6'3", six, 6'4", six, range, almost 200 pounds. I just don't see a whole lot of hip fluidity. I don't see a whole lot. You know, he's one of those guys that if he's lining up on the perimeter, kind of like a Richard Sherman or somebody else, you don't have to be this super athletic guy if you, you know, bring the length and the size to the position and can be physical, you can make it tough for quarterbacks to complete throws over the top of you. So it's possible that Alabama might want him as a cornerback, but I could also see them wanting to move him to safety if they are able to land him um, at any point. So those are the kind of things that you need to be looking at as far as the secondary. But, but as of right now, I, if you're an Alabama fan, you should feel fantastic uh, about pretty much every position. The only positions you should be concerned about right now, in my opinion, are, are really, you know, the secondary in general, but more so corner being more specific. Um, and then to me, the other one's quarterback. And and it's a matter of if you think Bryce Young's going to be the guy within this year, next year, you have to worry about them losing Mac Jones. And if Mac Jones ends up holding on to the job this year, you have to worry about losing Bryce Young. And then you have Paul Tyson who's involved but they don't have a whole lot of depth behind him, uh, behind Paul Tyson. Logan Burnett was a guy that transferred in, uh, was very quickly was you know at TCU, but he's a Mississippi State guy, walk-on player, not expected to be you know uh, any sort of contributor. He's the number four quarterback right now, and will, will probably remain that. But that's another position where you got to start thinking long term, and and Alabama needs to look to try to add some talented players at that position. If not the 2021 class, because I think it's going to be pretty difficult, they really need to make sure they're hitting that uh, quarterback class in 2022 super hard so they can kind of weather the storm if they, which they'll more than likely lose either Mac Jones or Bryce Young following this season. Right. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with it. Um, and the, the transfer portal will, the, the transfer portal is something that this conversation is why coaches hate the transfer portal because they can plan everything about their recruiting classes and get their roster calculus exactly the way they want it and do everything right from a math and roster management perspective. And then you can have an offseason like Alabama had where three, four, five, six guys pop into the transfer portal over the course of an offseason in between the end of your previous regular season and the beginning of spring training or, or, or the beginning of fall camp or in some cases within a couple weeks of the end of spring practice and, and all of that calculus changes immediately. And since recruiting is done over two and three year time frames, it's hard to make changes over a, a couple of months. Um, so this, this conversation is exactly why coaches hate the transfer portal. But if you take the, if you take the transfer portal out of the conversation and just take the, Needs we know Alabama has. Alabama's sitting pretty at the moment, and with reason to believe they could be even better in a few months' time. Absolutely. All right, well, I think that's going to do it. I think we've covered everything pretty extensively. I think we're in a good place. 
Um, I'm sure there, this was a, a podcast that a lot of Alabama fans wanted to be a, a part of, or at least not be a part of it necessarily, but, you know, wanted to get our takes on things. And we'll certainly, uh, you know, as we continue through COVID-19 and start being able to get back in studio, um, we'll, we'll try to get CISO on a lot more of these. Problem is right now, guys, you know, with we try to get, we don't want to limit what we ask him to do as far as, you know, all his other obligations. And when, you know, he's got a chance, we typically like to put in with Hunter, let them do something basketball related, um, you know, any kind of round table, which I'm sure we'll be having one of those come up soon. But, you know, it, we always want to have Cecil involved. So for anybody that I'm sure I, I want to get Cecil's thoughts on the on the recruiting class, you know, that's something that I would want to see or get just as much as anybody else. And we'll hopefully get that at some point. But for right now, we're continuing to truck on uh, during a, a pretty tough time for everybody. It's not just us. Uh, we're just appreciative for the guys and girls, of course, that continue to listen to the podcast. We appreciate you guys, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Brett, thank you so much for uh, for hopping on here with me. This has been another episode of the Bama Beat Podcast brought to you by Wickles Pickles.